Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Certified Life Coach Institute. There's Brooke. I was wondering where she was. I accidentally closed my window and I had to reopen it. Uh, so that happened. <laughs> um, For those of you wondering welcome, why welcome. so luxuriously, this is the oh, present they got me. And I'll be wearing it for every live we do from now on. <laughs> Your uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I've still see I embroidered on it. Yeah. We should have done that. Oh, I know I'm embroidered on it. The bookcase is kind of perfect, honestly. I know, right? His bookcase background is. Yeah. You gotta find, you gotta find your back. <laughs> Unfortunately. I think we can tell because when you put your arms up, they disappear. So I think <laughs> um, it's kind of a dead giveaway. We need to get you better lighting for your green screen. <laughs> um, all right. Before we begin with this topic, I'd like to proactively invite everybody watching to please participate in the conversation, comment, join in on the discussion. We are monitoring uh, chats on several channels. So please, please, please put your thoughts, comments, questions, anything into the chat. Um, and we want to hear from you. Uh, we are begging to hear from you. So please, please, please uh, join in the combo and share your thoughts. Now we can talk about what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. Which is? Nobody wants to share, apparently. I thought we had a clever title. I don't know what yeah. We're all being reactive, I guess. None of us are being proactive. Nobody's being proactive. Proactive versus reactive. Hmm. The benefits and drawbacks of each and how it applies to coaching somehow, whether Pros it's being a proactive coach or a proactive client. Pros and cons list. Okay. So, Fantastic. I mean, there's a similar word in both words. There's active. You have to be active to be either reactive or proactive. What does being proactive mean to you guys? I well, now you have me being thinking like deactive, and like like what is the opposite of most active? So when, when would I not have to be active, and what would that be? <laughs> Darn it! Yeah. Sorry. Um, Lisa, you were saying? Yeah. So I forgot which one you're asked now. I got a blank. Did you what say does being proactive mean? Proactive. Proactive. Actually, I used it in often in my in my coaching session. Proactive means you are prepared. It means you have prepared yourself for possible outcomes. It is a place where you aren't flying off the handle that you have different options available to you because you have thought them through. I would say proactiveness, or excuse me, proactiveness has a lot to do with consciousness. Uh, you're aware of exactly what you want your outcome to be. Um, and you're working towards that outcome or goal or situation uh, that you plan to achieve or be in. I think of being proactive as being responsible and causing events to happen. So if I, I don't know, I wanted to plant a tree in my yard, being proactive would mean I would go and buy the tree and then plant it in the yard rather than wait for a squirrel to drop an acorn and hope that a tree, you know, grows. Well, it would be planning. I think you would even plan what tree you'd have research what tree you wanted. So there's some research behind it as well. Yeah. And but what, there's, mm -hmm. there's that component of I'm actively putting my mind to something and then I'm following some plan, whether it's a good plan or a not so good plan to enact it somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Lula put it very short, sweet for us, uh, finding a solution or before you have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Jen. Yeah, I like what she said about 
finding a solution before you have to deal with it. I don't know. I just think of like health, like being proactive about your health always comes to mind with that word. Finding the solution now, potentially avoiding consequences later. But then my mind is like, can you be proactive and still have consequences? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. where being reactive could be no or knowing how to be reactive could be a benefit rather than just being passive i don't think they're mutually exclusive uh i don't think you can have one either only have one or the other i think that they can both work in tandem i think that they can both support one another um i think that there there is a word that psychology today used in one of the articles we read that i think is kind of distinctive when we talk about being reactive and that's the word hyper reactive so like mm -hmm. when we get there i think that that it will be something that we want to clearly define what might mean by the difference between being reactive and then being hyper reactive um there also may be cases where people are hyper proactive and that could be a detriment as well so um again those are we're swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other and and we know that we want to avoid that if we in most situations i would say um, um so what I is think, maybe yeah. what does being reactive mean then we are we discussed what proactive is, what are our thoughts on that, what's being reactive. There's a phrase that comes to mind for me, it's sort of, that is kind of maybe a blanket, but see, but there's when you're happening to life and then it's when life is happening to you. And to me, reactive is when you're in that space of life is happening to you. Mm -hmm. um, so you're just having to maneuver through that and find your way through, but you're not happening to life. <laughs> like you are not being, uh, making active choices and decisions. Instead, you're just in this state of sort of as things come, whether it be stimulus or what have you, you react to it. Um, instead of taking, being that consciousness that Jerome talked about of, mm -hmm. oh, okay, wait, I'm not gonna react. I'm gonna pause that and do this instead. Um, and, and take the steps to do that or what have you. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, just polar opposite of what it is to be conscious. I think it's more, maybe not polar opposite, but on the other end of that spectrum, you've got, uh, it's for being reactive. It's a little bit more instinctual as opposed to being conscious about the scenario. Um, you're just kind of, again, yeah, moving in the direction, whichever you're being pushed to move towards or from. That was one of the things I was going to bring up is is that that we probably are when we're using our frontal cortex, that non-reptilian brain, we're probably in a more proactive space. Whereas when we're using that the more emotional part of our brain, the the amygdala, the things like that, we're reacting. Um, Although there is a step like before that, that kind of decides which way we're going to go. But <laughs> um, I would say that that kind of is a different, there's like, I think, I don't know. Emotions don't necessarily have to come into it, but I think that again, it's the differentiation of, are you making the choices or are they being made for you? And mm -hmm. you're having to figure out how to get through that. Yeah. I mean, there's times that we definitely have to be in a reactive place, right? You know, if we're coming to a sign that says the bridge is out, <laughs> we have to react in that moment. We have to not go, let me think about how I want to plan this and that, right? But it's usually based on other things we've experienced, like even the words, do we know what they mean as we're describing what proactive and active is? you know, we know the bridge is out, what that means. So we would have had to plan or something in our history to understand what those words mean. So I kind of equate all of this to emotional intelligence, really. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if emotions for me come into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I see how they could, they could exacerbate yeah. things, like they could make things a lot worse and crazier. And if you're in a reactive space and you're 
it could make it a lot more stressful. I love that example you just used that um, the bridge is out. So if we're driving and the bridge is out and we have not been proactive in any way, oh crap, I don't know where to go now. Mm -hmm. I'm panicking. What am I doing? I don't have a GPS. I don't have my phone. I haven't taken the time to put something there with directions that Google's going to tell me to go left here because I haven't been proactive. So now I'm in this situation where I'm like, crap, what do I do? And there's a little, all this stress that's heightened. And I go, okay, well, uh, I just saw a gas station back there. I'm going to turn around. I'll go to the gas station. Maybe I'll talk to somebody that can help me and then find directions and, and figure out how to get wherever I need to go because the bridge is out, right? Um, yes, I know. But this is, I mean, this is an old school example. Old school example. But let's say your phone's dead. You didn't yeah, charge your phone. phone's dead. And there's, I got to tell you, plenty of dead phones around here. Yeah. Or, or you just simply don't have the time to, you know, kind of correct your course on your phone. This happened to me literally like a week ago. Not even, yeah, it wasn't a bridge, but it was a, a street that typically was open uh, for both ways to go through. And you don't and, have your friend's address for some reason because you've driven yeah. there a thousand times. <laughs> just but, go right off the bridge. Just keep going. <laughs> so, but. Brooke, when you were talking though, something that I just realized is that I think I was thinking of the word reactive as having a negative connotation. And I realize it's neutral because there are ways of being reactive that are that are very valuable. And then there are ways of being reactive that may not serve you as much, such as if you're reactive to, you know, a conflict with someone or something like that, which although depending on the the intensity of the conflict could maybe save your life. <laughs> if you're reactive enough. <laughs> true. And that's, I mean, a thousand percent true. You're not, it's not necessarily bad. What we're talking about though, is that I mean, a big, I think the reason people fall so heavily on the side of be proactive is because it might make life a little easier if you've taken the steps and charged your phone, put your G, made sure you had the address before you left, plan for a little extra time in case something goes awry or there's an accident or, or traffic and you're not you know you don't have these things that can compound because you've sort of taken a moment to plan for them prior to and you've been proactive and you're like i'll get there 15 minutes earlier just plan for that and then that way i'm not in this i'm late and i'm stressed and i'm uh i used to be a chronic late person for a while there was a phase and i just and i i had to, there were certain things i had to do in my life just to change that and it was literally in my brain go okay i have to leave X amount of time before and know, and then just sort of have all of those things in place and, and plan that out so that I can be on time and know that to, when to cut things short and say, stop, that's enough. I got to go. This is it. This is it. Um, <laughs> and that, that um, is something that I had to learn, but it takes proactive steps for me to show up on time to places. Um, but that is, all the more beneficial and proactive of me to do because it's going to make everything better if I'm on time. Um, whereas I think that that we get into these reactive spaces when we haven't been proactive, and that's why people go just be proactive. But the truth of the matter is, we're reactive all the time. Um, it's not necessarily bad, but we can serve ourselves often to be a little more proactive, and that's why I think everything leans in that direction. Um, not i mean we're not one for labeling things good or bad here so <laughs> um anthony wouldn't allow for that no, no. everything good anthony the um, arbiter of truth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um clc i asked what are the benefits of being reactive i think we can anthony would you like to share um the way I think of being reactive is it's a skill that you learn how to do. Um, because if you have a set of plans, you know, in front of you, you're, you were proactive, you made a plan, you, everything should be going well. Um, plans fall out all the time. Plans can be very fragile things and how quickly you can adapt to a situation shows how skillful you are at reacting to a situation. It's, I think they're pretty much interchangeable, adapt, adaptation and reaction. I wouldn't um, say quickly either, uh, necessarily. Quick, I would yeah, say quickly or how, a, how quickly you're able to... No, okay, quickly, quickly. Quickly out. 
effectively. Get... Effectively is what I would use. <laughs> effectiveness also means quickness in my mind, but effectively, quickly, and then, I don't know, maybe wisely. I'm trying to, whatever leads to the most desirable outcome rather than an outcome that you, you don't find desirable. Um, yeah. Which may not so, have to happen quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a skill you can learn. Um, you can put yourself in situations where you just have to react to the situations as they come up and then you can analyze, you know, what what is my common um, tendency? What do I tend to do when I have to react to situations? Do I get flustered? Do I panic? Do I, I go to other people for help? I'm very proactive, but I love having to react. Like I love being in those situations where I have to think quickly, think on my feet, think. I think that reactiveness creates creativity. Like I think that it, I think if we were proactive all the time and get kind of boring, like if everything went as we planned and, 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 and life would kind of be very expected, like we would know what was coming, we would know, but it wouldn't be that exciting. Like, and there wouldn't be, we wouldn't have to be, we wouldn't be very creative people. Um, and maybe this is where, you know, it can get unhealthy at times, right? We're going to create our own uh, situations that we have to ha react through because we enjoy the thrill, but that's not necessarily what I mean, but I, it does, it produces creativity. I mean, you can take a group of people and say, you're, everybody's planning, we all think it's go and throw a deliberate wrench in and just to see the strengths in people in those situations and see what they do and see if they can plan their way out. Um, and I think that's the, the heart of like video games and strategic games and things like that is you're going along, you think you got this and then they throw a wrench in your way and you got to think on your feet. You really do. Um, uh, in those situations. Sports is, I mean, sports as well, pretty much every sport is a game of, being proactive, you come in with a Lots plan. Of training. Lots and, of training, yeah. <laughs> and you have to react to all the changing elements and the randomness and the other team opposing you. When you have someone opposing you in something, then you really have to react. I'm, a, I'm for some reason, I just thought of Game of Thrones. We're watching the new series where random, horrible situations will just arise and you have to react to it and you have to react fast because people depend on you. Hello, hi, Ronnie. Ronnie. I just want to say hi, Ronnie. You. And hi, Lula, as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, you have a lot of responsibility, you know, on your plate. And you're responsible maybe for your family. Or, oh, I got a Hold on one second. Um, yeah, everybody's phones are ringing. My phone's every. Mine's ringing in my purse right now. Whoever just called, CLCI, I'm so sorry I hung up on <laughs> <laughs> put myself on do not disturb um anyways if yeah, you have people who depend on you yeah. you know your reactions to situations matter not just to you but to people you work yeah. with your family your friends um things like that so your ability to react well in situations um i'll say not only that though like a really proactive person is planning for like the reactions of other people like they are like that is part of like the planning process as well so so my, it was probably may do this this or this this is how it's going to go so this is how we're going to account for that and then they're really trying to get all the but it doesn't always go as planned a lot of times it probably very much does not I, I have an example of something that i witnessed it was witnessing um as you guys are talking i thought of the um two motorcycles gotten a major accident in front of me I was heading, I was heading, I was back in Cali at the time on the 405 going north, going home. And these two young men were doing crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Popping wheelies. Uh, one nailed like the edge of a car and then proceeded uh, to crash and then crash into the other motorcycle on the 405 before COVID. <laughs> so that's a busy freeway. And interestingly enough, the reaction of the busy highway is everybody gave them lots of room. I'm like, I don't even know how, the, I mean, when does that ever happen? But they were on the ground, 
and all the cars had started to slow down. So their reaction to the crazy pop and wheelie is cars started slowing down. On the 405, it came to a complete stop for these, I want to call them yahoos, or pop and wheelies, unsafely, un, no helmets, t-shirts, right? Not even landing on the ground. They were not thinking proactively about it. But that's what you, they were. But the, pardon? They weren't, but others were, yes. But others were, but they're reacting. So where does proactive and reactive? Proactive is kind of both, wasn't it? Well, it comes, I think the proactive is that they have had enough experience and knowledge to recognize what's going on in front of them and then know that they need to slow down and proactively give them, like know that if they don't, I think that that uh, where if it had another reactive is if a car had been distracted and then saw it and then yeah. ended up swerving at the last moment, then we're yeah. reacting. That's a big yeah. reaction, right? Uh, and it can cause a chain of other reactions as well. Which mm-hmm. kind of, I think that's the other reason that people drive home this concept of you must be proactive, because I think it it what it does is it generates conform not conformity but a consistency. Uh, conformity too for that matter but uh consistency and what does that do for everybody else it helps everybody else be able to predict and every so it's like a self uh it's like a self-sustaining sort of and if you're proactive and i'm proactive and everybody's plans are all going and we all know what's going to happen and everything's puppies and kittens and it's great and so i think that's why that people really push for this proactive mindset is is not it's for self-preservation as well it's for your success and for the success of everybody else around you um because we how many of us want somebody who is completely unpredictable in their lives like the wild card as much fun as it is in theory is uh can be a little terrifying (laughs) ronnie brought up um but when you're fully present for other people or in a situation you don't have to be proactive you react to what you hear and witness out of your core values and personality that to tie that into coaching um the coach is mainly reactive and listen from my point of view i think uh, let me explain why brooke you're shaking your head when you come into a coaching session you can't know really what your client is going to say oh but I, I think okay. i'm talking about in the coaching session you you're not leading the coaching session as a coach you're partnering you're not saying hey we're we are going to work on this the client tells me what they want to work on and i react to that by asking a question delving deeper and the i fully expect the client to be the one providing the information and then i'm reacting to it as a coach okay yes. just going from there but in order for you to react as a coach you have to have done it metric yes. sort of things proactively yes like you can't be emotional in there you cannot be in a space that you can take on their stuff you have to have taken you have to know how to ask questions you have to know how not to be a fixer you have to like there's like this whole world of things and tools that you have to have proactively put into place to ensure that you are still coaching so that you can react in a way that is not you know that is coaching yeah and i'm speaking i'm only speaking strictly inside of a one hour coaching session i think you're still being proactive too i I think one can not exist without the other honestly Mm -hmm. i think they Mm -hmm. both have dependency what is that the yin and the yang they have dependency on each other as interdependent as they are Mm -hmm. they do have some dependency with each other because in order to let's say not overreact we're not talking about the overreact right we're talking about react which is in you have to have had some proactive behavior in order to have some reactive behavior and conversely you have to have had some reactive behavior so you have had the learning curve to be proactive so i honestly don't see how they can be segregated i mean i totally agree with anthony and you and both points 100 percent uh because we do have to be reactive we do have to be that's what that curious is that mm-hmm. not having the answers that but it just there's tr- tr- so much training that has to go into that being capable of being that mm-hmm. and so there's like a world of proactivity where you gotta as a coach get your, your 
stuff together to be able to do this and actually mm-hmm. show up and be coaching and not be doing other things like mm-hmm. you know psychiatry giving advice uh being that's, that's what i meant about being leader. reactive is a skill that you have not like yeah. a personality trait it's a skill that you have to develop so that you can make wise effective choices and quick choices as well if you you know worry about that um when you're in the coaching session because you don't have, you know, weeks to think about and ponder what your client said. You have only an hour. Yeah. So you can holding the silence is great to think about what you're going to say. Don't hold it for the entire session trying to think about how you're going to react or saying, can I pause this coaching session? I need to talk to my mentor coach about what you just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking out and just being like too flustered to continue the coaching session. I- I need to say what my next question is. Yeah. So, or being a little too proactive and saying, okay, before we do the session, can you come up with a plan for me that we can follow through the entire hour of talking points and we won't deviate from that. So we, I don't have to react to anything unexpected. Um, that's going to be opposite. (laughs) That's like the hyper proactive. When you start to get to that type A space, like that really like, uh, which I mean, it's probably a derogatory term at this point uh, to say is that somebody is type A, but that very that person that is like so planny that they never take action, like they are just like they are going to spend all their time just planning, and it's got it's got to be perfect. I have to know everything. I've got to, and they get. I mean, it, be, it creates almost so much anxiety and takes up so much time. They never move to that space of act. And the active never comes into play because they're just in this like I'm planning, I'm, I'm being proactive, planning and planning and planning. But at some point, you got to take the wheels off and just start acting and being active. Um, uh, and so I think that that that's the like far end of the spectrum. Um, I think that the hyper reactive person to in a coaching space could be very dangerous. How do you guys think it could be dangerous to be hyper reactive in a coaching space? Yeah. If you're a coach and you're hyper reactive and your client tells you something that seems shocking and you go, that's not good. <laughs> or you, you can't be hyper reactive as a coach. It's probably not the job for you. If your client tells you there that that something bad happens, you're like, oh my God. One. Right. <laughs> Um, right, Jerome. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, they say yeah. something that uh, maybe is similar to a situation you've been in, and you start crying, and they're like, "Why are you crying? What's, what's happening?" <laughs> it's just gonna throw the entire session off. Um, and I think that that's very much where that emotional intelligence piece comes in. Is if we're not haven't taken the skill, the the time to be proactive and put those emotional intelligence tools into place as a coach we can get triggered in sessions we absolutely can get to there are things that we are all human and we have a lot of things in common with the people we're working with and uh there can be moments where somebody a client is sharing and you go i'm this person or you know what i mean or i know just what that's like and it can mm-hmm. create especially i know I, I, for i i know jen and lisa can be emotional folk um <laughs> uh no. not to say that Jerome and Anthony are not capable of the same things, but um within that space, I know that like it takes some conscious awareness, okay, don't be emotional, don't be cryy, don't be cheerleader. Like I I just think about those because I can cry at a commercial, like I can cry for the stupidest things, and I'm like, I gotta have my tools in place not to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> um or to get upset or to get just have emotions as a coach mm-hmm. in a session really high danger would like to say hello apparently <laughs> i i did not proactively put him in the bedroom so he's allowed to roam free <laughs> you also didn't react when he jumped up there like yeah. you were unbothered i would have like freaked out like if he jumped <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe what are some other things the reactive coach would do? Um, the hyper-reactive coach? Hyper-reactive, yeah, hyper. yeah. Um, In a session. 
They could would, easily be caught, taken down rabbit holes, I would imagine. It would very mm. easily be able to be taken down a rabbit hole with a, mm. react, a reactive coach. A coach uh, that's quick to refer out, maybe too, not allowing their client to actually speak their piece and prior to them actually realizing that potentially this can be handled with coaching, mm-hmm. they hyperreact and just, you know what, we can do this. Let me refer you to somebody else. Yeah, I think, Jerome, that's a really good point. It makes me think about when a client says something about their past, a hyperreactive coach is going to be like, oh, we can't go there. We can't go there. That's therapy. Can't talk about the past. They're going to like have that, you know, hypersensitive reaction to it. And it's not always true. The past can be spoken about. It's not like it's taboo. It's just you have to stay in what it means in the moment, what it means today. I think it would be really hard for a hyperreactive coach to hold silence. Oh my gosh, they're so filled with advice. Uh, they're <laughs> filled with, I have to have the answer for them. That's what everybody comes to me about. Mm-hmm. I need to tell them what to do. Otherwise, they cannot figure it out for themselves. And there's a very small subset that might not be able to, and that's a different um, uh, gathering than coaching. But in this space, most of us, you know, we have a lot of um, things that we look up and and Google is our best friend, (laughs) you know, so we are, we are not incapable, right? We are capable. Our clients are capable there are that subset might be incapable. So the capable clients can absolutely figure things out for themselves, but sometimes they just need that. And which is where that coaching comes in that space where they can learn and grow with that safe co-creator of designing on as me, the client, what best suits me and where do I want to go and challenge me and blah, 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 all that detail. I also I'm just thinking about hyperreactive coaches and the things that they could do. I mean, I think that the big uh, wait, coaches also risk being hyperreactive or reactive to. I cannot uh, yeah. I can't see the word when they move to find a solution with the session. Oh, yeah. Well, I think kind of in that space, too, uh, when we as if we as a coach. Um, Oh no. She's right quickly. Okay. Quickly, yes. To find a solution. I agree. Like we've got to solve this. We've got to um and that's almost I don't know if we call that hyper reactive. That could be hyper proactive too. Um <laughs> uh just deciding that there needs to be a solution mm-hmm. when the client may not need a solution. You just we just mm-hmm. gotta ask what they need. Um and and instead of trying to present it with them or deciding what they need because that could be hyper proactive truthfully the the okay what are we going to do to solve that well if the client hasn't presented that they need a solution for it we're not the ones that need to tell them that they need that solution um do you think a hyper reactive coach also when a client brings uh, a goal or a problem that they want to solve that the hyperreactive coach immediately just focuses on that rather than going deeper and coaching the person as a whole and seeing what's really under there. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem for sure. Yeah, I think so as well because like a coaching session, really, if you wanted it to, could be resolved in five minutes. Okay, you tell me what you're gonna do, what you want to do. Okay, tell me how you're gonna do it. Okay, you told me how you're gonna do it go do that. We'll meet next time. <laughs> just like, I'm just the pure reaction to get the coaching session done with as fast as possible. You know, that's, but I think that, not that a coaching session, but it's, it's just not, a reaction. But that's where the proactive pieces come into play where we as coaches know, okay, people are coming to us. Why are they coming to us? Well, they're coming to us typically because there is something in their lives they want to accomplish. They have not been able to successfully accomplish yet by themselves. 
Um, and it may not be yet. It may not be. It might be something that they've just always thought about, but they just haven't done it. But it is yet. Like they, if we have, I'm here. I want to be here. I don't even. I may not even know what what here that I want to be is. But I just know I want change. I know something. I want something to be different, right? And that's the truth. People aren't hiring any coach because they're everything's perfect and, and they've got everything they want in the world. They need have it want for not. Um, uh, we're going to coaches because there are things we want to do, resolve, handle, etc. And so, what we as coaches know, we proactively is that we there are some things that, if we've done or gotten our training, that need to happen that will help assist that person get to that point. Um, and while we do let the client lead, we know that that emotional relevance, uh, smart goals, we know that there are very uh tangible tools that we bring at this knowledge with us and we coach our client to those spaces um yes they're leading but the reality is these tools get used in there and that those tools have all been learned proactively and that's what really fills out the session we know to listen we proactively learned to listen to our clients for those moments to when to challenge our clients when to do all of those things. Otherwise, Anthony's right. The session would be five minutes and be like, okay. And I don't think many people would be back and I don't think a lot would be accomplished. Um, <laughs> so um, I think that that, that is because that's what you're getting in the outside world. Ultimately, most of the time you're getting that non-coached reaction. You're getting that advice. You're getting all of those other things. And then as a coach, we, we proactively learn the tools to not be entirely re and we use them reactively in the session there we go <laughs> as needed um one thing that i do want to acknowledge though in either situation we are being active whether which is i think a good thing because at least we're doing <laughs> um if we're being pro proactive or reactive at least there are things happening and we're not just stuck in this space of just do nothing. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the blogs and videos I've seen will say that like they'll make evaluations and give traits to people who are proactive or reactive. And I don't really like that, but one trait I see is like oh, reactive people are passive and like thing, they just let things happen to them. I don't think that's true. Like I think the opposite of being both proactive and reactive is pass passivity things will happen to you and you don't react to it. It just happens. And that's the new state of things. Um, you're not reacting to it to change the situation, nor were you proactive to prevent it um, or have a situation you'd want. You just accept a new situation as is. And that's being passive, which we're just, I don't, there's probably actually, there are probably situations in coaching where the client realizes they just need to be passive in a situation and maybe find acceptance. But most of the time, the client is wanting to achieve something or wanting to come to some sort of resolution, which requires them to either be reactive or proactive, um, which I guess kind of dovetails into now, instead of looking at the coaches, we're looking at the clients, our proactive and reactive clients. Um, which What does that mean exactly too? Like, for our clients, like, uh, should we as coaches be seeking to identify whether our clients are being proactive or reactive? I am even on the fence of maybe even filtering your clients to see if they're proactive, reactive before you even start coaching them. I, would um, I tend to enjoy coaching my proactive clients more than I enjoy the reactive ones because they come into the coaching session with an agenda and things they want to talk about mm -hmm. where sometimes coaching the reactive clients, it feels like it's pulling teeth at times and they're waiting for me to take the lead. Or the ones who come in and have no idea what they want to do or what they want to work that's, on. <laughs> that's so interesting. And I'm not shocked now hearing you say that, Anthony, because I actually like the other client. <laughs> I love when someone comes in and they have no idea what they want to talk about, because to me, it's a blank canvas and like the sky is the limit. And usually what's under that, I don't know what I want to talk about. It surfaces no matter what it comes in the conversation. And they're like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that came out. And I'm like, so, okay, let's talk through that. 
let's not lose this. Let's let's. I think this is a great point. Um, how do we? So Anthony's preference is the client that comes in with the plan. Your preference is the one that comes in without the plan. So, how what would you tell Anthony to assist him with the client that comes in without the plan? What kind of how should he approach that as a coach to have the same result you do with it? Yeah, give me some advice, Jen. Okay, so I'm going to give you advice, but it's going to be from Sam. <laughs> okay. It's not mine. So Sam had the most amazing video put out in the alumni chat. And there was a quote that he said in the video that stuck with me. And so my advice would be this quote. And that is, he said, a coach's job is not to share advice, but to invite them to share the pieces of themselves that other people don't give them the space to share and make sense of. And so that space, when the client doesn't know, that's the space for them to share and make sense of. So what do you ask them? Usually when they start with, I don't know, they also keep talking. So something emerges typically. Um, or if they say, I don't know, I say something like, you know, something where I show that it's not a problem. I show them that the, the fact that they don't know is not a problem. And I feel like that that encourages them to just let it out, whatever is there. Okay. So right now I have no idea what I want to be coached on, Jen. I have no clue, but I'm game for a short coaching session. Okay. Well, what's coming up for you right now, Brooke? I'm game for a short coaching session. What's coming up right now for me? The, I don't know. I have just sort of like the idea of, uh, of fun in my head. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means or why, or, uh, yeah, this might be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So what does fun mean to you? Um, fun. That's a good question, by the way, because <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've ever defined fun. Because um, <laughs> it's just something that I, I just expect it to be. But truthfully, if I had to really think about what fun is to me, it's something that is uh, intellectually stimulating. Uh, it is something that uh, it's challenging at times, maybe, but also there's a, a degree of, I guess, community or creativity in it as well. Um, I, I, I thought exploring the unknown comes forward for me. Too. That's always fun for me. Um, just anything that is uh, sort of a space that is, is new and exciting. <laughs> That's where I find my fun, <laughs> I guess. which can happen anytime, which is kind of cool. <laughs> happen anytime yeah like this is fun <laughs> <laughs> um what else comes to mind for you about fun freedom to some degree i think a little bit of free like being able like having the freedom uh the the no the lack of i guess stress or what have you to be able to have fun I, but you can have fun while being stressed too i certainly have had fun while being stressed so that's um i guess Most the board games we play are that yeah definitely well and that's i mean at work i mean there's a lot of stress but yeah, i can still infuse fun in that and i actually sometimes find the very challenging things to be some of the funnest moments at the end i'm like you know those when i get through it and i'm like whoo that was crazy it was ah, stressful but it was fun Honestly, that was fun. Like, because it was new and different and exciting, and there were moments that were unknown. And there's this whole sort of uh, awesome unknownness about it. I don't know why the unknown is fun to me, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> how, much, how much fun are you currently experiencing in your life right now? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Like. I feel like I want to compare that to something and I don't know what to compare it to. Like, 
how can I, what unit of measurement am I using for funness? <laughs> is it, am I, is this like fun? As, is it an, I guess maybe we could do enough or not enough fun. Am I having enough fun and not enough? I think I'm having enough fun in my life. <laughs> I think I am. I think I'm having enough fun. There's definitely been times I was not, but I think now presently there's a lot of fun in views in my life. <laughs> so it sounds like you're not necessarily wanting to add more fun into your life. What are you wanting to add more into your life? Good question. I don't know. Good, I don't know question. <laughs> um, and, and I'm thinking, so now I'm coaching myself. I'm asking myself, what, what do you, what don't you know? Why don't you know? What's going on? What's this I don't know about? <laughs> um, um, Honestly, at the moment, I feel very, I guess, kind of satisfied with what my, is happening in my life. I do. I feel, I feel very whole at the moment. There might be a few things that are, are missing, I, like one or two, I, something that comes up on occasion, which is I do miss my film and creativity life a bit. I feel like I'm not, I have not been feeding that. but. The other, then I tell myself, well, Brooke, you're streaming, you're doing other, like you are, that exists and you are, you've just carved out a period of time for this other thing that you love a lot too now that you didn't do before. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that, that film thing can wait until the next, like I keep saying this year is for streaming next year. We'll decide what next year's for, but I'm going to just focus on streaming this year um, and see what happens. Uh, and so I just remind myself that and I'm okay. So, um, there is this feeling of like, I can always do that. It's okay. That exists. It's not gone. <laughs> um, and that helps. Um, but that's probably the only place like I have to check in with myself uh, is am I still serving myself as a creative human being? Um, and what am I doing to serve, still serve myself creatively? Because that's a very important part of my life that, that used to be the, the primary thing in my life of the I lived my life as an artist. And that was how I made my living. And I, that was my primary, you know, what, mind you, there was like a lot of other elements to it. It was more, I'm running, I'm being a manager, I'm being all in all of that. You lose some of the creativity, but I, I could definitely say, no, I made my living as an artist. This is what I do. You, you too can do that. Um, and I'm not making art on a day-to-day -day basis, day-to-day -day basis like I used to. Like I used to do it in some regard or another, like whether it be graphic design, whether it be, I was creating some kind of visual art, we'll say, um, or written art. And I'm not doing that as much these days. And I definitely have moments where I'm like, am I still myself? Identity crisis moments. <laughs> um, and what am I doing to make sure that, that I am still that human being and I haven't lost that part of myself? Just got deep fast. <laughs> See, that's my point. <laughs> when you don't have to coach on, it can go to really, really amazing places. <laughs> so, well, okay, there you go. I, I think that was a good demonstration. How do we tie that back into being reactive versus proactive? Hmm. <laughs> so for me, it's it's reacting to the client doesn't have anything to coach on and I guess being proactive by anticipating the potential for that and, and knowing that that's not a problem. Allow, being proactive, knowing that it's not a problem allows me to react to it the way that I do. So this has helped me kind of think about more about the different types of reactive clients where there's the reactive client who doesn't know what they want to coach on but it made me think about other types of clients that might be out there too, such as the clients who are waiting for coaching to happen to them. Hmm. And they're waiting for the insight to come from the coach or waiting for the, the right question maybe to open them up. Well, that's hmm. maybe the client I think I struggle with more as opposed to what I just saw, which was, you know, there might not be something to coach on immediately, but they're, is stuff if the 
coach digs deep enough, then, you know, there's a well of information that can spring up. But I think maybe what my issue is the client who sort of waits passively for the coaching to happen and is hoping for a result. Whereas my preference are for clients who are willing to open up and are willing to be active engagers of the coaching session and bring stuff to the table. Mm -hmm. I think that this is something, Lisa, you can talk, speak to this too. Like there's a reason Lisa and I will both go on occasion where we, we really only want to work with level two students when we're doing like staff student coaching stuff at times. People who have finished level two have completed it. Um, one of the reasons we do that is because we hope that those people, because what we're looking for when we're doing staff student coaching is uh, typically a more advanced kind of session. And when we say more advanced, that's a session where people are digging deeper and they're willing to go to those deeper places. And there's a, Lisa and I have had this conversation uh, a lot of times is that there are coaches out there that are staying surface and all of they're going to get is clients that stay surface. Like that's the reaction there. Like attracts like, uh, the coaches that, that are willing and ready to go deeper are going to get the clients that are willing and ready to go deeper. Um, and you're going to start to, I think that's why there is a degree of sort of sometimes vetting, uh, or a lot of sort of more abrasive marketing from some coaches and stuff like that. And it's, this is, this isn't an attempt to, to get, the clients that are ready to be in the same place as they are. You take like Dan's marketing. Dan's marketing can, it can be very kind of uh, deliberately emotionally charging. Like he coaches dead people. He coaches people who feel dead on the inside. And right there, he's telling you, I'm looking for the person that feels like this and wants to, to change and is willing to do the work, take the time, pay the money, et cetera, to, to, come back to life. And that's a very much deeper level of coaching. Uh, and, and he's proactively putting that message out there uh, for those clients to come through his door, the ones that are ready to do that work. Um, I understand why you would struggle with the clients that are looking for the coach to give answers. And the sad thing is the clients that are looking for that coach, I think really, really looking for that coach are gonna go into the, and find the coaches that are gonna give them the advices and the answers, and that's not going to challenge them to grow. And it's kind of sad because they're going to be stuck in a, a place that is not, uh, until they got to get deeper and they got to be willing it's, to go it's there. A, Yeah, it's a very dependent cycle that you're talking about when they go in to get that advice piece because, you know, what we're trying to do as coaches is to build on their self-trust, right? To build on their getting out there and, you know, we're experimenting to see what works and what doesn't work, not being told. I mean, they can go to their mommy and daddy and their brother, sister, whoever else in their world can be told by them what to do. We don't need to be telling our clients what to do. And, and frankly, most of them don't follow what they're told to do. I mean, look at your kids. Those of you that have kids out there, teenagers especially, right? Because they're becoming more independent. They want to they want to fly those wings. They want to flap those wings. They want to, or think of yourselves when you were the teenager, right? You wanted to be more independent from your parents. The, I mean, the, one of the, it reminds me of one of my favorite sayings is the only per idea a person likes better than a good idea is their own idea. Yeah. And I think it's very deliberately worded when we say a good idea, then they're own idea is that they're willing to ignore good suggestions for their own idea. Like they're, they're 100% willing to do that. Um, I think there was even a study done where they, they allowed people to, to design shoes and hand over fist, people said that they favored the shoes they designed over the exact same shoe, identical shoe that somebody else designed, but it's just knowing that they had designed it was enough for them to love that shoe and just be like, no, 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 no. But the, the, everything about the, sh the other shoe is it was exactly the same, but it was just that they had that experience of knowing that, that that is their design that made them cherish that shoe they designed hand over fist more than the exact identical shoe somebody else designed. 
putting the effort in makes a difference in the long term of things. Just like that person designing the shoe and chose their own, right? The same thing is going to happen. I mean, that ability to critical think, self-critical think is a build upon um, resource. We want that for individuals to have their own resource, not to be the dependent go-to, let me tell you what you should do. I will say though, kudos though, to every single person that takes the time to, to hire an employee and put set up a session with a coach. Mm-hmm. Because that person's already being proactive. That person is already saying, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take a step. Yeah. And so maybe we can't lose focus of that first point and get frustrated quickly or what have you when they come in and are looking for answers and we have to stop and remember for ourselves internally and acknowledge well wait they're here they took the time to be here they didn't just blow us off they actually showed up they're actually they're still trying there there's an effort and a proactivity there going on even if they aren't sure where they're going and what they want and, and are looking for the answers how do we as coaches help them to figure that stuff out. And it's probably going to be a longer road, which is going to be more frustrating, I'm sure, but, uh, or could be frustrating, but um, Anthony just likes it when it's easier. That's why. (laughs) I mean, it, it seems reasonable to, it's like, it's an easier session. It just happens more naturally. Some, it feels like, Uh, not saying that you should avoid really those harder sessions or just, react to them negatively and be like, okay, well, I guess we're not coaching today, but uh, next week. I issue you a challenge to some degree is- no, I, I refuse this challenge. It's not easy. Go I on. wonder though, if, I wonder though, if it's, now I can see how it could go either way though, but a way for you to reframe the opportunity in those situations or reframe your perspective where, okay, this feels like pulling teeth right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe we address that. I don't know. Or is there a way to just sort of, do we just come out and say that? I mean, to some degree or, and, and sort of workshop around that. Wait, There's been a coaching session one time where I said, what are we doing here? <laughs> is Lisa being a mime? I've like, I said, let's, because for some reason, I always frame my mind like in the session, out of the session as a coach. And I said, let's step aside out of the session right now. Just like talking to you, like kind of as your coach, but not as the coach of the session. Mm-hmm. What are we doing today in this session? Because like, it seems like we're kind of spinning our wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed to like that reframing. And I don't know if that was probably not intentional on my part. But that reframing of just like, let's step back. What are we doing here? What is it you actually want to do with this at with this 45 minutes, 30 minutes we have left? Um, you know, that kind of put things in perspective and it seemed to work mm-hmm. where this person sat and they thought and they were like, I want to work on this. I'm like, okay, let's go for this. And then it just was like it's like pushing the reset button on a computer that's like not working it felt like just hit sometimes hit that reset button on a session just to clear the air and get things on track but i'm kind of avoiding the question though how do i reframe those challenging sessions as an opportunity um so when you were sharing that about that reset button. I mean, I think with that client, that particular client, it sounds like to me, you already had a rapport going on with that client. So to use that terminology, that cadence, and let's pause this for a minute. Let me just check over here. That sounds like it worked for that particular client. So variations of that, there's going to be different language that you use with different clients that can do that. So. You know, I want to, I want to challenge you for a moment right now when I'm kind of, I feel like we're not, we're, you know, we're, we're running, but not getting anywhere. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What's going on in this space for you? 
I mean, a metaphor can work really well. There's all kinds of different things, but with that client checking in, you know, I, I noticed that we're not going anywhere. What is it that you want? I think that's okay. scary too. Huh? I think, I think if that's like, if you've got a client that's, all, you know, doing the all over the place thing, right? The, um, mm -hmm. I think it's necessary to do what you just mentioned. I think yeah. it's, it's prudent of us as a coach to at some point, you know, before it gets to 15 minutes before the hour's over, just to at least check in and go, okay, we, this has been all over the place. We got X amount of time left. What do you want to do? Are we, have we, what are we, what are we doing to make this coaching session where you walk away feeling like, like this was a, this was a good session for you or this, we accomplished something here. And that lets them know, well, I just want to keep going. If they can say, I just want to keep right. doing this for the next 15 minutes. Okay. Right. Now I know what my purpose is as a coach. And that's just to let you do this for the next 15 minutes. And then, uh, or they might folk rein it in and go, okay, this is, this is really what I want to work on. And you, you probably, if you have an hour session, you probably want to rein it in a whole lot sooner than. Oh yeah. That's why I said like, <laughs> yes, probably. At 20 least. minutes in maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Addressing though how to see that as an opportunity rather than just something annoying to get through or maybe just a you know an okay or bad session whatever um it's kind of just let go and just be like next session could just could be the exact opposite like it's not or the next client or whatever um just be okay with some sessions not being how you you as a coach want it to be because it doesn't need to be how you as a coach want it to be that's not yeah. the, the session doesn't exist to serve you as a coach right. um, it exists to serve the client what am i if it serves the client in some way yeah. then okay you've done a good job even if your client is a bit more reactive than um, if it active. feels weird for you. Yeah. But it's not about you. Right. It's not. It's not about you. So I, one of my favorite sayings also sort of came forward for that. And it, it may, might be something, be something that I could repeat to myself in that situation or tell myself afterwards would be, it's just for now. It's not forever. So like, just, just know that this might, this, this session, this was, it's just for now. It's not forever. This, is, this, this, this hour might feel like forever because it's not doing what you want it to or going the way you feel like it should, but it's just for now. <laughs> but what you're talking about is being an attached to an outcome. And that's part of our training is to not be attached to an outcome. Mm -hmm. Our client's job is to find out what they want their outcome to be, but it's not our attachment to what they find. Mm -hmm. Now, we're 10 minutes past the hour, by the way. So, reactive to us ending the stream late. <laughs> End um, it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, any, last, any last thoughts? Or, I mean, I think that was maybe a. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that last thoughts are every if you go out and do research on this topic, you're all you're going to find is a whole bunch of stuff that says be proactive, but. <laughs> shout out to being reactive as well uh mm -hmm. and that's i think that hyper reactive is an important thing to consider uh don't just be proactive also be reactive or it gives some credit to the reactive and doing being capable of being reactive and also the the effects of having to be reactive and the benefits of having to be reactive and making it through like that builds self-esteem that builds it creates creativity it, it makes for um less boring of a life so it's not always a terrible thing <laughs> Even though all the research out there will tell you it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got a bridge that says out of order. Yeah. Oh. And you didn't know before, you have to be reactive. So, yep. yeah. I'll I, say, I, um, sorry. One of the greatest points Anthony brought up off this, this streamer uh, is that he said, what about COVID? And COVID created, it was a react, we had to react. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Proactive things after, we, but ultimately we had to react. And it created a great deal of good things from, mm -hmm. from react, the way we did react. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's true. Mm -hmm. That was my final thought right there. Yeah. Jerome, what were you going to say? 
I was just going to leave with a question. Are you really being proactive if you're not allowing yourself to be reactive sometimes? And I don't know what the answer is to that, but you guys, <laughs> the answer is no. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I want to get on the answer there. <laughs> not a, I'm not seeing that as a rhetorical question. The answer is no. It goes for everybody out there. I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> Save you guys a couple minutes to think about that. <laughs> I think that'll be it. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, take our classes. You'll learn how to be properly reactive as a coach and how to, and then you're being proactive by getting your coaching uh, certification done. Yes, you'll learn how to be reactive as a coach, which is a skill. So. Yep. I will say try and be proactive by uh, setting aside an hour to join us next week, same time, Tuesday, 4 Pacific Standard. And until then, you guys have a great rest of the week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.